90% of your behavior is run by unconscious processes on autopilot. And 70% of that are things that are not in your best interest. So it's in this episode, we're gonna help you gain more awareness, more control, and definitely more resourcefulness when going after your goals, especially in the areas of relationships and business. That's exactly what we're gonna cover here because I'm sure you can see if you operate with the same level of thought, emotions, actions, and expect a different result, it's just simply not gonna happen. But the more aware you can become of the unconscious processes and the more you can shift it from a place of resourcefulness, you can build that momentum towards anything. And we actually have Rob Burry here. Rob Burry is gonna walk you through his methodology of exactly how to do this, how to become more aware. So one, you're gonna learn how to actually have more love, more compassion in your life. Two, how to become more aware of these unconscious patterns and, and bring that awareness into your life. Three, we're gonna to have to lift your vibration, how to lift your vibration so you can achieve your goals from resourcefulness. And four, we're gonna learn how to actually heal from any challenge in your life, despite how challenging it may be. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to the Awaken Your Business podcast. My name's Tyson Sharp, and if it's also your mission to heighten consciousness, yes, you are a light worker. And it's in this podcast where you execute that heart's mission by integrating your spiritual and business growth. This is what I call stepping into the role of the heart-centered CEO. This is the version of you who knows the numbers, you know how to grow an audience, you know how to create more impact and more income, but every business strategy is done through the filter of love, compassion, consciousness, and contribution. So when you're ready, take a deep breath, and I'll see you on the inside. Hello, my online family. Welcome back to another episode of the Awaken Your Business podcast. If you're in the serving circle, you probably have known this space for a while, Rob Berry. Uh, it's it's incredible to have Rob in the uh, in the community, not only because of his his wisdom, but also his energy and willing to help and willing to serve. And that's why I wanted to invite him here. Obviously, we're going to have a uh, a deep a deep conversation all about the subconscious patterns that emerge on your business journey, on the journey towards relationships and becoming more and more conscious and uh, injecting a lot more love into your life. So obviously when we're talking to, when we're talking to Rob, what one thing you're going to have in mind is definitely what it is you're after, what it is you're looking to achieve and, uh, and notice the patterns that are in the way. Cause there's, Rob starts to talk. This is his expertise. I'll give you a little bit of a description about how he describes himself. Um, so Rob Berry, AKA Rob Love is a non-conscious mind expert who's been meditating for over two decades and has developed simple practices for rapid personal growth, AKA enlightenment. So if you're looking for enlightenment, this is what we're after because he's got the expertise in terms of being a life coach, hypnotherapist, NLP practitioner, uh, energy healer, all these sort of, modalities and uh in running his own business as well and helping people but rob first of all welcome how you doing my friend i'm doing awesome thanks tyson awesome good to hear good to hear well first of all i'd love to give you the uh just the space to share with the audience what you're what you're all about what's your story how did you get into all of this all of this stuff how did you how did it lead up to uh up to where you are gosh um I have always been fascinated about why we do what we do and how we actually create the kind of life that we would want to, to lead. And that has caused me to devour every piece of content I can get myself into. I'm kind of, kind of what I refer to. I, for me, I, I call myself a thousand percenter. If I dive into anything, it is completely head first and, and I figure it out. And so um, that has just led me to neurolinguistic programming, hypnotherapy, just anything that has to do with the non-conscious mind. And, uh, but yeah, but also business since, uh, I don't know what, 25 years or something like that. Just absolutely devouring everything I can get my hands on and really just distilling it down into something that's digestible. Cause I know most people don't want to spend 16 hours a day trying to figure everything out. Um, and nor should they really. So that's just been my passion anyways. Cool. Is that what you've done over the years is, is done 16 hour days diving into this stuff about the non-conscious mind and how it influences our lives? Everything, everything I could get my hands on. Yeah. What were some things at the start that you sort of delved into in terms of content or a book or 
audio? What was, what were some things at the start that really sort of grabbed you with this type of topic? Wow. Um, well, I had, this is kind of an interesting story. When I first started with meditation, uh, I started with something called Joppa and it was presented by Wayne Dyer. I'd actually bought it on cassette tape back then is what it was, forgot about it and then bought it again a year later and then started doing it. But, and it's a practice where you do, uh, you meditate for 20 minutes to the sound of um, awe in the morning, which is the sound of creation, God, Allah, Buddha, Krishna, Tao. It's all the same kind of vibration. And then at night it's to Om, the sound of Om right for another 20 minutes. Um, and I did this like every day for 30 days and crazy stuff started happening right off the bat, just crazy stuff. Um, I started manifesting things around me that would just kind of um, appear, not, not ridiculous things, but it would be something like, oh, I wish there was a pen and I'm like in a field or something and all of a sudden a pen shows up, you know, just like, just goofy, goofy stuff. Where it's like, no way, this is not happening. And then I had a, an experience where it felt like my head was going to spin off kind of a thing. And I later found out that that was, I was just getting ready to take off, I guess, into some other area. So I just use that example as far as um, not to say that that's what happens for everybody, but that's how things go for me. I go full bore into something and just really dive in. And um, that's usually how I, I tend to figure stuff out. So then I, I end up doing it like the more of the, or at least in the past, I do it the hard way and then I can distill it down. So it's, it's easier and more gentle for other people or like, Hey, do this and don't do that. Like yeah. you can go ahead, but, but yeah, I wouldn't. So most people are thinking if I do this Japa meditation, I can start saving money on pens. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. I think that, I think that meditation, um, Japa meditation by Wayne Dyer might be on YouTube if anyone wants to check it out. Um, yeah. I've, I've definitely, I've definitely noticed it before in the past. I'm a big Wayne Dyer fan. So there, yeah, there's got, there's got to be stuff on there. Um, what were the other shifts that happened for you? So you got into this job meditation, you started seeing, you started noticing certain things in your life that were a bit um, out of the ordinary. Is that what allowed you to dive into it? How did you sort of, how did you get to the point where you started applying it to your life and then obviously start, start teaching this to other people? Uh, two, two big, two big things kind of come to mind with that one. So I'd been meditating for a while and I started just kind of uh, blacking out. I started just having full loss of time. Um, I would just kind of, I'd start meditating and then I would just go somewhere or something would happen. I don't know. And I pushed against that for probably about six months and just kept trying to just practice, practice, practice. And I ultimately ended up um, realizing that what I needed to do was just connect all throughout the day and make it more of a consistent practice rather than, rather than this just in the morning and just at night kind of a thing. The other thing was, and there was a bunch of events that led up to this, I ended up having like a full like nervous breakdown kind of a situation. Um, I was trying to do a, some spiritual practices. Um, it was called the, gate, the Monroe Gateway Experience and you're supposed to do it over the course of a year and I decided I wanted to do it in 30 days. So I was trying to do all this stuff, just condensing it down. I ended up getting 3,000%. Uh. Yeah. I ended up getting, uh, getting sick and uh, just had a little moment pop up of like, I didn't know who I was for a moment and it was just a little seed. But anyways, it all ended up expanding into a, a like a, just a really a nervous breakdown kind of a thing. And um, I fortunately had a spiritual teacher that led me to my first real mentor. And this individual changed my life in like 30 minutes. It was just like that. Um, I told him my whole life story. And he walked me through something where it was like, um, he asked me what I was afraid of. I said, sharks. He laughed. I said, <laughs> he said, what's something you're really afraid of? And he like looked me right in the eye and I could feel him like reach in and tap something inside me. And I told him a story, which I could go into, but it would take, it would take too long. But what ended up basically happening was I was bawling, just absolutely sobbing. And then all of a sudden everything just stopped. And I felt like a smile come on my face 
and it just broke this particular program, which I now understand was around control um, and needing to control my environment and things like that. But, um, but yeah, that was a huge game changer for me as well. Awesome. One thing, one thing I love about this spiritual journey is especially in business. I think business is the biggest spiritual journey can be on where all your fears are just come to the surface and you're just forced to just walk into them and heal whatever needs to be healed inside of you. Um, that's being reflected right on, on this journey, the journey of going inside and asking, what is my heart calling me towards and how do I channel that towards service? How do I get out yep. there? And if I market myself, if I get out there and face my fears, to get out there and no matter what the hell happens, just consistently focus on what can I give is a huge thing. So, so one question I have for you, when have you, with this, this development of spirituality, injecting more love in your life, injecting more conscious living in your life, when has it been tough for you? When has there been some tough moments where you've really had to go within and, and develop that internal strength? And there, there's some couple moments come to mind. Oh, several, <laughs> several moments. Um, I, that's the thing is like when you're on the journey, if you really want to learn and understand something, um, like it's easy to, it's easy to have self-love when everybody likes you, the sun's shining, you have all the money you need, everything's provided, you're, you're good to go. It's really easy. It's an entirely different ball game when the people you love the most think you're a monster or they... And, and it isn't to say that you are, like people go through their, I guess a simple way to put it, it's opportunity. It's opportunity. Um, I have, I have had, I've brought relationships back from where the individual wanted to, was like giving me death threats and stuff. And this was somebody I loved and cared about. And I would, I would go into details of the story and stuff, but um, basically I know, I know for a fact that we can go from very, very um, difficult and challenging situations and relationships and we can heal those to where um, I have phenomenal relationships with individuals that where it had, it was completely quote unquote toxic. Right. Um, and again, I just, I just see them all is it's just opportunity. It really is just opportunity. And oftentimes we're labeling things as toxic when it was placed in our path. I mean, if it's in our experience, there is a reason for it. And for us just, just to dismiss it and say, Oh, well, this, this is just a bad situation. And the whole lesson of it is for me just to get out of it. That may be the case. That may be the case. But oftentimes people are going through, I would say, lighter situations and they're labeling it as the other person is just toxic. And a lot of times, honestly, what I see is that people that are the, the people that are doing the toxic behavior are the ones that are blaming it on everybody else. And that's oftentimes takes that person a long time if they ever even get there to be able to even see that the behavior that they were doing. But as far as, as far as us on the other end, um, you can heal those relationships, but it's all through, it's all through focus and forgiveness and inner work. Mm. So yeah. how would you, if, if someone is in your family and literally feeling like you're a monster and, and, you know, if someone who you love and care about is completely giving you hate on the other side, what goes through your mind? What goes through your heart in terms of applying these conscious enlightenment practices and living more consciously, living more fully in terms of living from a place of love? What do you, how do you perceive that particular circumstance? Well, always, always you want to advocate for yourself completely. If, if it's, um, you know, if there's physical violence or something along those lines, obviously you need to, you need to take care of yourself and make sure you're okay. But 
minus those particular situations, and it's not to say that you wouldn't still do the same practice, you just maybe would increase the physical distance between you and the person. But it really kind of boils down to when we're, when we're really filled up ourselves with, with self-love and an awareness of who we are, but also like we've done enough of our own internal work, we can clearly see that this person is in incredible pain. They are just in incredible pain. And if you've been to some of those places yourself, which that's how, that's how, that's how a lot of us that are able to help other people out of, you know, holes and places of despair is that we've been there. We've been in it. We've been in that hole and we understand how to get out of it. But how would you go about doing it? I just really looking at the situation because like, Anger is fear announced. So what are they afraid of? Um, there's one practice that I have, it's called love listening. And we're always looking for the love that's underneath, you know, always looking for it. Where is, what's really, you know, somebody's like, somebody's screaming and upset. Well, what is behind that? What is actually, what are they afraid of? And when we can start to look at it that way, we can really start to have compassion because that is really the space of, of healing is, is having compassion. Mm. What would, what would cause somebody to, to, to behave like that, to, to be like that? Mm. Yeah. Gotcha. So more compassion, understanding where their fear is coming from helps you really understand the love underneath. What about if you have, if you have, if you have clients, for example, that are, building a business and things are just so challenging. Things are just not working out. They're trying to follow their heart. They're worried about money. They're worried of, you know, they're not, they're not building any momentum here and they just feel lost. They feel stuck. They feel confused because in that scenario, there's no real other person where they can just consistently say, okay, what are they afraid of? And let's offer more love and compassion here. Um, what do you offer in those situations to help someone guide them way through that in a, in a spiritual manner? Yeah, I, I think the big thing with that is just kind of understanding where to tap with the individual. But like when I pay attention to somebody, I'm working with somebody in a coaching environment. I'm paying attention to the energy of it. I'm paying attention to their nonverbals. Um, people, if you just let people talk, they will tell you everything that you need to know. And if you just really pay attention and listen to them, or at least that's been my experience from there, like the, the kind of situation that you're talking about, you can't really manifest much from that particular space other than more of what you don't want. So whatever it would be. Uh, so I'm looking for things that are going to raise their vibration, raise their focus, get them to shift. And um, sometimes that's, sometimes that's taken a break, but um, yeah, because we do, we have to have those foundational practices to keep us resourceful. Mm. We can't run ourselves into the ground and expect to be operating at peak performance and manifesting everything that we, we, we love, yeah. but, but really, I mean, we're manifesting everything that we need. Um, and it's just as far as these situations and circumstances, they're presenting themselves so that we can heal and grow. It's, mm. it's all just it's all opportunity. It really is all opportunity. Is that so that that to me is the fascinating part of the process, especially in, in the, in the world of business. A lot of people are on the spiritual journey and they're meditating and they're doing all these inner healings as, as people listen to this podcast and as they, they're in the serving circle and, and doing all this inner work where they sit down and they, they, they feel fully and start to heal those inner wounds. And then their heart guides them to something and says, Hey, do this. And then that thing falls apart or, you know, they go uh, into a relationship and then that falls apart. And the, all the things that are happening are what their mind says shouldn't. Right. I, I truly think it's in those moments where the biggest healing is necessary. The biggest healing, the biggest opportunities are there because I think just all old circumstances that your mind thinks needs to happen needs to sort of fall apart at times for the, for you to sort of 
heal those expectations or those wounds or those parts of you that says my life needs to be like this in order for me to feel okay. Right. Yep. What are yep. your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, those little nudges, those things that we don't want to experience, we pretty much end up experiencing them. So we might as well go ahead and turn towards them as soon as we can and feel those emotions in, because really it's just, it all just boils down to emotions really is because there's, and if we have something that we don't want to experience, if we just go into it, um, like it doesn't last very long. Mm. It's usually seconds. If, if maybe minutes, the, the most I've ever heard is maybe like 15 minutes of really being in emotion to actually let it go, let it clear. Um, but yeah, that's what it seems to really boil down to, um, is just, is just cause if we want something, we can't hold on to a bunch of baggage that that doesn't fit where we're going like we don't get to bring all that stuff with us and then experience abundance in and it, it and that's why i work with people on growing a business or relationship or whatever it is they could want to hit a golf ball another you know 50 yards further than they normally do it doesn't matter it's whatever they're passionate about because that gives us the fuel to create that movement so that the obstacles can come up so we can clear them out mm. and then usually all kinds of other stuff in their life just falls into place because it's this one thing that's like the crux that's holding them back. Yeah. So when you have a pat, when you have passion for something, you're moving towards it, whether it be the golf ball, whether it be a business, whether it be your health, whether it be your relationship, as soon as you have the passion for it and you start moving towards it, it brings up the obstacles necessary for you to heal whatever needs to be healed in order for you to receive that thing. Yep. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Yep. And a, a lot of us that really want to figure out like, you know, what is it, what is it like for me? Like I remember being a teenager and, and being around a lot of dysfunctional relationships and then not really seeing healthy ones anywhere in the immediate vicinity. Definitely not really on television. I mean, that was all really fanciful kind of stuff anyways. So I had this big question of what, how do you actually have a really healthy relationship? What does it even look like kind of a thing? So I've experienced a lot of really not great relationships. Again, learning experience um, and, and also great aspects of it. But if you really want to understand a particular topic and you have that passion for it, you're going to get opportunities to really learn what that is. It's just, it just really seems to be how it works. Mm. You know, how many... If, if we go back to like the, the money thing, right, of, of people that really wanted to learn how to be a millionaire, a billionaire, I, nobody just really steps into it. And, you know, and if they do, if it was just handed to them, they haven't learned anything, mm. really. They may have the psychology that's already for that, but they can't particularly teach somebody else how to do it because they have a different psychology. So you have to go through those challenges to, to actually grow or to lead other people, you know, lead other people through it. And that can be challenging for the ego because the ego doesn't want to go through the challenges. The ego doesn't want to feel, you know, the, the heartbreak or the, or the loss or the whatever it may be. Um, but having that perspective you just said before in terms of being willing to feel fully and realizing that without resistance, it actually doesn't last that long. I just truly like when you have the ability, when you have the willingness to feel whatever you're wanting to feel, whatever comes up on the journey, there's so much less resistance. And that's why I'm, I'm a big believer. Whenever someone tells me how they're feeling, there's no judgment there. My question is, there's no judgment on, the, on whatever they're feeling. The judgment is on, well, not the judgment, but the question is on, are they resisting it? Because if you're willing to feel fully without resistance, the emotions that the obstacles bring, that means you're opening up your energy system, being willing to, to receive whatever it is you're after. Yep. Right. If we can piece yep. all of that together, but you talk a lot about the, the subconscious mind, the non-conscious mind, whatever you want to call it. 
what's some awareness that people can have about their non-conscious mind that can help them with this process of going after, you know, what they really want? Yeah. Well, the, the big one is that most people are almost entirely on autopilot. They're on average, they're only operating from what they consciously want around 5% of the time. And that's proven in neuroscience and an accepted fact. The other thing is that 70% of what's in there is not in their best interest. So that's why most people are not able, no matter what they do, <laughs> it's, uh, it, they can't seem to get there. And it makes a lot of sense that, well, gosh, they're, they're on autopilot two thirds of the time. I mean, you put those numbers together, that's two thirds of the time. If you were like trying to move across the field and you spent two thirds of your time going in the wrong direction, you're not going to get anywhere, right? Yeah. Gonna, Can you give us some yeah. examples there on, in terms of where you see most people's focus is and how that's not best serving them? Is it with their relationships or their, their health or their finances? What, what, what can you give us there in terms of examples? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the, the, the best thing to look at with that is we can see other people's stuff usually pretty clearly um, if, we're, if we're close to people. And so think about somebody that they're, they're always struggling towards something, but you can clearly see that they're not doing the particular activities. It's actions, behaviors, emotions, and decisions. They don't, they're not doing the, the right actions that would move them towards it. They, their emotions are usually pushing against something that they say they want. Um, like using like in a relationship example or something, if they're always focused on this person's doing this to me or whatever, I mean, they're not going to have a great relationship because their focus isn't there, but they're not aware of that. So one, they're like, I consciously want this awesome relationship, but then most of their actions and behaviors and the motions and all this kind of stuff and the actual decisions that they're making are doing something entirely different. And we can see that. We can see those patterns if we're around people or we spend time or we put our attention upon them in a particular way. Mm. We, can, we can usually clearly see other people's stuff. Yeah. So if 5% is channeled towards what you want. How do we increase that? What are some, what are some tips or some strategies that you have to increase the level of our consciousness? First of all, so that we're not necessarily on autopilot as much of the time, but that yeah. we're on, but that we're consciously focused on what we want on what we're wanting and then making the decisions and actions and behaviors that are towards some of that. What are some, what are some tips you have that, uh, that people can start implementing? Yeah. So the, the first thing to kind of look at is that just breaking it because, you know, we have the time, right? We've got 24 hours in a day. And if we look at those percentages and all that, we, we can calculate this out. We say the average person sleeps about eight hours a day on average. Not everybody does that. But for somebody that sleeps eight hours a day, that means in their waking state, they are... Um, only in conscious control what's happening like 48 minutes out of the day. The rest of the time, it's all non-conscious. That means whatever's in there is the one that's running the, that's driving the bus, if you will. So we want to increase that. We want to increase that significantly. So I created a practice called Love Now. And what it is, is it's basically, is getting you into proper uh, physiological or resourceful physio physiological state. We know that belly breathing stimulates our parasympathetic. It gets us into, uh, start, we start dumping chemicals that are resourceful for ourselves. When we exhale out longer than we breathe in, we're actually letting go of like stress chemicals. So we wanna get into a proper physiological state because that shifts what we have access to in our brain. Um, it gets us out of fight or flight, gets us more into, I just put it as a positive psychology that's supportive of of um, using our focus in a proper way. So once we do that, I have people do three basically belly breaths and, and then I have them put their attention upon what they legitimately like and or love in this now moment. So it's kind of a, it's a mini version of mindfulness or meditation. Meditation is focusing on a singular point and then you know the absence of all else Meditation is more clearing your mind. This is more like mindfulness as far as focusing. Anyways, 
So we put our attention on what we legitimately like in this now moment. So you're dropping in the moment, you got the positive psychology, and then you're putting your attention upon what you actually like and or love. So by doing that, you're creating, um, you're actually kind of programming your reticular activating system is really what's happening because whatever you put your attention upon, it starts actually filtering for that. And we do that every 15 minutes. When you first start the, the practice, it takes about two minutes to do when you're first learning it. But then after that, it's, it's 60 seconds. So we're talking about four minutes every hour. You do it on the quarter hour that keeps your attention up. So you're, you're positive and then you'll start coming back down. You know, if you're just kind of plugging through the day, nothing, nothing real up or nothing real down is happening. You'll just kind of oscillate. So you'll, you'll go up and then you'll just kind of keep it up. So I have people practice it every 15 minutes on the quarter hour. So, and if you do that over the span of four hours, that is 16 minutes total. And so that will keep your energy up. Once you hit that, you hit the tipping point to where you are operating 51% from what you consciously want and only 49% from your non-conscious. Um, so that's, that's the tipping point right there. Now that's if somebody hasn't already cleared out some things in their non-conscious. That's if they're on, you know, just an average person of 5%. Uh, now, obviously we want to operate from what we consciously want most of the time. I mean, and have a psychology that's just wired for it. I mean, there's certain things where, you know, people are just awesome at it. They just, they're not even aware of it. They're just awesome. Well, they have the wiring for it and we want to create a state so that we can start actually working with that and, and reprogramming whatever's in there. But to do that, we have to be more conscious, mm. right? So it's a simple practice and um, I have videos that guide people through it. And it's, yeah, it's pretty basic. But the interesting thing about it is that you have to stay pretty diligent with it because we're wired in such a way where we, we're on autopilot. So it's amazing. Like you'll, you'll set a timer to do it every 15 minutes, but somehow you'll miss it. Or, mm -hmm. and the thing is, is to be gentle with yourself and just pick it back up and just keep going with it. But that's the thing. We want to keep our vibration up. We want to keep our focus up and more positive. Awesome. Now with the, um, so to summarize, summarize what you just said here, it's to focus on your breath and obviously do some, do some, belly breathing, breathe from your diaphragm, extend the, your, your exhale. Um, mm. but then to also just focus on what you love in this moment, shift that focus towards what you love. If you can do that for even just a couple of minutes or, you know, 60 seconds with, with some practice, if you do that every 15 minutes for four hours, that'll start to shift for the average person from 5% to 51% more conscious focus. Is that what you're explaining? Yeah. Well, it's actually, let's see, it goes to the, the negative actions, behaviors, emotions, decisions on average drop to 48% of the time. So that's the tipping point or the critical mass of it. Okay. Gotcha. If that kind of makes sense, but, um, but yeah, and not everybody has access to what they love in the moment. So that's why I say like and or love. And for some people, if they're in a really depressed state or something like that, it's what are you grateful for? If you don't have access to that, all right, what are you, what are you grateful that you're not experiencing right now? Mm. Are you happy that you have eyes to see or ears to hear or legs to move across the room? Can you get into a better emotional state, a higher frequency, if you will, of a feeling state and that's what we want to go for. We want to go for the next graduation up. Okay. And so, yeah. And, and the reason how, why the, sorry, go ahead. And how many, how many, how often would you recommend this? Is this an everyday sort of thing? Is it something you just are able to practice with that gets better at what, how, how, how frequently would you say this, uh, this can be practiced? Yeah. So this, this is the interest. This is the interesting thing. Like we're breathing anyways right? We're breathing anyways. I don't know. I mean, if somebody's, we all have an abundance of air as it stands. There's nothing holding us back. We have, we have 
completely luxurious, amazing air around us because we're breathing and we're alive. So that means we can take in more air and we could talk air quality and all that kind of stuff. But you know, there's oxygen there. If you breathe in more, you're going to get more oxygen. doesn't matter the altitude or the location minus, you know, really bad environments, I suppose, but you have to breathe, right? So if you're under the water, underwater, you're breathing. If you're somewhere, you're breathing. If you're not breathing, you're dead. <laughs> like it doesn't take that long to, you know, so it's something we're doing anyways. We're mm -hmm. just doing it in a different, we're just doing it in a more resourceful way. Yeah. So there's that part of it. The other thing is like, we're always focused on something. So you're really just, you're really just putting your attention upon, you're just, you're, you're kind of, you're um, being more strategic about it, I suppose, or you're being more conscious of it because it's, it's doing its thing. You're doing these things anyways, because first it really sounds like, well, how often should I do it? You know, this is like, this is a hassle. And, but that is the resistance. That is the programming that we're wired in such a way to not do these things. Um, and, you know, we can talk about why that is and all that, but it's really how we're just wired. We're just wired in this particular way. And the basic, my basic understanding of it that makes sense to me is that we're born into a strange planet, right? And we're on record from around the third trimester to around age seven. We record everything because the goal is you come into a planet and it's stay alive, right? You want to stay alive. So it makes sense. Well, how would you go about doing that? You don't know anything. So you just record everything from all the people that are still alive around you. So you record everything from all the people you grew up around. This is what you do in all these different situations. This is all the beliefs that you have, all this stuff. You record it all. And then after that point, it, it stops. And now we have our non-conscious, right? And then we just operate from that point, just maintain. And if there is enough passion and drive that the individual has to actually shift that behavior, then that gets passed on to the next generations or the next people that, that, that are growing up around that particular individual. So it really kind of, it makes sense that this is how it would be. Like we don't want to deviate from it. And when you try, when you start getting outside of your comfort zone, what does it feel like? Or what can it feel like? It can feel like you're dying. Yeah. It's like a, it can feel like things are really, really wrong. And it's like, this is not right. Something is, something's not right. That's why we want to be in that resourceful state because as we're encountering this stuff to where we actually can have breakthroughs and shifts and feel the stuff that's going to move and get us out of it and reprogram, um, we, we have to be in that resourceful state because it is, it's super challenging. It can be super, super challenging to break free of that. Mm. But that's, I mean, anything you study, like if you study business, I mean, what do they say? If, like the most successful business people have just habituated the ability to be uncomfortable, to do the things that they find uncomfortable, to be in the situations, to, you know, like, I think of like a war situation, the, the heroes are the ones that the bombs are going off and they're, they're just, they're going for it. They're, all this stuff is going on and they're aware of it. It's there, but they're focused. And that's why I see it being incredibly important for us to get really clear about what we want and then stay focused and then move. And then we deal with whatever situations as we move along. Well, what I hear also, is to develop the strength, develop the level of resourcefulness that's, that's necessary to solve these challenges. So focusing on more of love, more of what you're grateful for, even if it's something that you're not experiencing. But one challenge I have seen is that when people are trying to shift more and more of their focus towards the positive, they make the negative wrong. And that can often cause a lot of resistance as well. If I'm here trying to focus on love all of the time, then all of a sudden something triggers me and I think that's wrong and I need to change it, need to fix it. It offers a lot of resistance as well. So what would you, what would you speak to there if someone's, if someone's facing that? Yeah, I, I feel like that's, that's part of the, so when the obstacles come up, right. And we, and we kind of go into it, but 
to me, a lot of that boils down to emotions of what are we resisting? So then you turn towards the emotion. So the emotion is there and then you acknowledge it. You turn towards it. You don't act like it's not there. Yeah. Um, and you look at it and that's where that's that, that kind of experiencing and allowing yourself to feel the thing that you don't necessarily want to feel will clear it so you can move forward that, or we just keep habituating the same circumstances and situations over and over and over again until we finally just feel the thing that has been knocking at our door, sometimes pounding, sometimes, you know, jackhammers. Yeah. We've all, we've all experienced that where life is just hammering a lesson down your throat because it's a, it's, it's something that you're, it's something that you're here to learn. It's something that you're here to experience and where your soul can expand through the contrast, but you were not wanting to feel that. And it goes exactly to your point here in terms of your willingness to feel uncomfortable that goes with the obstacles that you're facing and the, and the emotions that, um, that accompany that while simultaneously also recognizing that you can act from a place of what, you know, this practice of love now where you can practice your feelings of love. And here's what I've recognized as well is that you can hold a loving safe space for the emotion, the uncomfortable emotion that's coming up and you actually experience both. You get to, you get to feel the uncomfortable emotion in your body experience it so it can so it can leave and transcend but it can also be a very safe peaceful and loving process right you can hold a loving safe space for that side of you recognizing you're not any of it you're not the emotions that are coming up but you're the space that all of it exists in right and so i think it's both but we also want to pay attention and get very very conscious around the fact that i want to strengthen the muscle of love and my focus and attention of love while simultaneously not resisting, avoiding or judging the uncomfortable emotions that come up on the journey. Cause they, they have to come up, you know, they have to come up. And why do we know that? Cause they do. It's just part of being human, part of the healing and, um, and journey of evolution. Hey, what would yeah. you, what would you have to add there? <laughs> Hmm. I don't know. I like, I like the way you put it. I think that's great. Um, what it made me think about was, um, what it made me think about was the, the concept of like twin flame relationships and how that particular type of relationship to me is like the extreme sport of, of relationships. It's mm -hmm. super intense, but it always seems to, or at least my experience of it was, it brings up the smallest, like the smallest stimulus that produces the most maximum response within you. Um, so it's really kind of beautiful in that regard. It's like not using a, a sledgehammer when just a nice little thumbtack will do. Yeah. You know, th thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> but, um, but it still evokes this huge response within you as the individual. So to me, like that's one of the, the, I guess, more enlightened perspectives I have on relationship now is they're just very fertile grounds for personal growth. And, you know, I know you're doing all of your personal growth. I am too. I, I know that I won't have any of this all completely figured out, you know, um, and then I transition and then there we go. There's that. But um, that seems to be, that seems to be the process of, of clearing this stuff out. And then I think the other thing that's, I think really great to point out around all this is what's, what's the point? Like, what's the point of all this? Well, we get into peak states. We get into peak states in relationship with people. We get into peak states of relationship with ourselves. We get into peak states in nature. That's usually a pretty common one for people where you'll be in the woods and all of a sudden you just, I mean, you just are in love with everything. And it is euphoric. It is absolutely a peak euphoric state. And it's not something that is induced by material anything at all. It's, it's, I mean, those, those types of peak experiences. Yes. It's, it's easier when it's in a magical place, you know, like a forest, but 
later we can, or at different points, we can see it in very difficult, challenging situations as, as I think you were kind of alluding to. It's like the Viktor Frankl thing of the fish head floating in a bowl of lukewarm water and he sees the beauty in it. And it's those types of experiences, I think, that that's the point. Um, I know that I experience it with, I can experience it with a stranger just sitting down and, and eye gazing with an individual their face will do a magical, amazing things. And I just see beauty in the person and feel connection. And it's not like, but we have to do the practices and cultivate that with ourselves, or it's uncomfortable to, to look into somebody else's eyes, or it's uncomfortable to breathe in unison with someone or whatever, being that close to somebody or with a stranger, or we have all these different constructs of like, well, I could, you know, I could look into the eyes of a, of a woman, but I can't do that with a guy because that's that's weird or, you know, just whatever. It's just, it's fascinating the, the rules that we have on ourselves. But when we just open up and we do these these practices and we just continue clearing things out, it's just, it's peak experience. It's just peak experience after peak experience. Mm-hmm. And for those that don't know the story, uh, Victor Frankl was the uh, psychologist in a one of the concentration camps and hit that was his protein for the day was the fish head in the water. But the fact he could find just as much beauty in that as anything else gave so much meaning to his experience and his, his, and that's, that's truly why he believes he survived that um, concentration camp despite the horrific things that were going on around him was because he had a deeper level of meaning of what happened and, um, and his experience because of it. And so if we can, if we can find more meaning, more love, as you described the euphoria in anything, I think that's what we're all after. That's what our ego thinks those external things are going to bring anyway. It's just the feelings that we want to experience more often. And like you said, you can experience those without any external material things. But my guess is that when you're experiencing the love of a stranger or the love of nature or even the love of all the variety of emotions that are coming up on the journey, my, my inkling would say that, you know, you, you, you're welcoming in so much more. You're welcoming in so much more love and deeper levels of experience. And you just have a, a, a rich, a, a deeper, rich relationship with life in all, in everything that happens right? It doesn't, it doesn't disclude anything, but it, what it, what it allows you to do is just develop a deep level and a richness of life that isn't um, experienced when you're just what you describe on autopilot and just following the things you think you should be doing and just following the constructs that you think are a, um, you know, a normal so that you can fit in these sort of things, always good reminders. And people who are listening now can start to look around their own life and say, where are these constructs or where am I on autopilot and not questioning, you know, why I'm going after this and um, all those different things. Um, is there anything else you want to add to this? Is there anything else that you think the audience should hear, should listen to, should take note of um, so they can start applying this in their life? Gosh. Yeah. Just, just look around your life, like all the different um categories of it um what does your day look like you know when you get out of bed are you excited for the day are you what are you looking forward to things like that and if you're if you're not or you're pushing against different things or you're going to a job you don't like or you're not following your dreams or your relationship is is shit (laughs) you know or with your with whomever um and it's not to say that you have to have an outstanding relationship with everything. I mean, some things, as far as the path goes, it's some things you have to let go of. And it's just, it's just part of it. But um, I would say, look at that because the, the, the potential is that you can live a life that is just magical. It, It really is completely possible. And when more of us are doing that, the world becomes a magical place. Um, and that is, it's all possible. It's mm. all completely possible. But it starts with s- just doing things in a slightly different way. We can't keep doing 
what we've always done and expect something different. And it just doesn't work that way. It's not how things happen. Yeah. So, right. If you're making, if you're making a taco and you just keep making a taco and you keep doing, you grade the cheese and you keep doing all the same thing. You, you can't, it would be ridiculous to think, Oh, I'm going to this, I'm going to have a big Turkey meal. No, it's not. It doesn't, you have to do things differently. You have to have different ingredients. You have to mix them in a different way to do things a little differently. And then you can have the thing that you want. If I'm, if I'm making a taco and all of a sudden there's a Turkey in front of me, I'm going to let you know. You're going to be the yeah. person I call. You'll be, that's when you, after you've been doing Joppa for 30 days. <laughs> yeah, I just manifest. I just focus my attention on Turkey and it's just there. I don't even know how. Yep. Well, that is, that is the peak state that, that Wayne Dyer and different people have talked about. But yes, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not there. I've, I've had little tastes of it, but. Hey, you've, you've manifested pens, all right? It goes, it goes pens then Turkey. That's the, that's the hierarchy. Yep. yep. <laughs> Rob, man, where can uh, people find out more about you? Where can, where can they go to, uh, to check out, check out your work and your content? Yeah, just check out. It's a uh, Robbie love and it's spelled raw as in R A W B L O V E.com and uh, check it out. Go from there. Um, that's kind of the main, the main hub. I'm uh, working on TikTok, getting ready to pop on the clubhouse some more and all that kind of stuff. But um, a lot of it has been a big rebrand for me. So I'm starting over from scratch in the past few months. And so, but here we go. I'm hitting it full bore and away we go. Good man. The thousand percenter. He's on it. He's, yep. he's, he's all in. I love the, I love the takeaways here. Is there anything else you want to add? Any, any tips or last words of wisdom to make this, uh, make this conversation feel complete? Well, the, the energy of it feels like it's, it's come, it's complete. So that feels really good. Um, I would just say that, you know, I just, I love you guys. I, I love you, Tyson. I love everybody that's listening. I mean, just love, just pour that love out there. And you know, if this ex construction company owner, man's man kind of guy can, can be loving and, and see the importance of that. I think just about anybody can do it so beautiful plenty of love back to you my friend it's uh awesome to have you here no doubt everyone's going to have some some key takeaways so definitely reach out to rob he's an awesome person to have in your network uh he he just he gives value and just spreading positivity and love and that's what we need more of so definitely add him into your network reach out and add him on tiktok have conversations on clubhouse and uh check out his website as well rob thank you so much for being here my friend i appreciate it awesome appreciate you tyson thanks Thanks for listening to the Awaken Your Business podcast. If you're a heart-centered business owner, you know that selling, marketing, and business strategy can bring up a lot of fear, doubt, and scarcity. And this is why I created the community on Facebook called The Serving Circle. It's in here where you get to grow your business as a byproduct of asking the question, how may I serve? It's on our weekly Zoom collaborative calls where you get to serve by meeting like-minded people and organizing collaborations, service exchanges, and partnerships so together we can heighten consciousness through business success. So just search The Serving Circle in your Facebook groups and you'll see that you're just one heartfelt collaboration away from reaching your biggest business goal. Take care now.